This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast, we continue our conversation with Dion Sneeders from South Africa, who started a special needs school. But first, we have to talk about the important update regarding Neurogene that came on the day we came back from break. All that and a lot more on today's episode. It's Monday, February 6th. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah, and we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Brett syndrome. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. We are really excited to finish up our conversation with Dion, but also massive elephant in the gr- room. We have to talk about Neurogene as well. Yes. Because literally at 8 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time here in the U.S., Neurogene, on the same day, we released our newest episode, they announced that they've been approved for clinical trials, human yeah. trials. So crazy. So we huge news. We don't even have time to just chit chat and dilly dally because we have so much to talk about. And so obviously on today's episode, our top three is Neurogene announces FDA approval to proceed with human trials. So let's go ahead and begin with number one. Neurogene first announced that it was creating a new development program to target a cure for Rett syndrome on May 18th, 2022. That's less than a year ago. That's fast. That's really fast. Like, I was looking into all the other companies and drugs and trials and whatnot that have been going on, and it was taking them years years to to get to this point where they were able to announce so from from announcing that they're going to do it to announcing that they've been accepted to do it yeah exactly so let's hop in a little time machine let's go back to may of last year what was going on so april of 2022 we were doing the Rett Syndrome conference that yep. I refuse to remember the name of because my brain is so <laughs> tiny. And so we, I, I feel like a lot of us came out of that conference on this great high. Yep. Really enjoyed connecting with people. It was a lot of fun, good experience. It was, it was great. And then out of nowhere, Neurogene. Yeah. Who, I'd never heard of. Yeah, none of us in the community had ever heard of before. They come on the scene sharing that they're confident that they're propi- proprietary. Am I saying that right? Proprietary? There we yeah, go. That was great. That was right. <laughs> <laughs> I have speech and speech. Yep. I have that. impediment right now, apparently. Anyways, uh, they were confident that their proprietary technology named EXACT would be able to address issues of providing the right amount of gene therapy to MCP2. I went back and listened to our episode where we talked about this announcement and we kept joking about how EXACT technology didn't have an EXACT <laughs> Yeah. At least not exactly yet. And 
It's still funny. It's still funny. Oh dear. But the question remains, what is this exact technology? So number two, let's talk about what it is. How does it work? Yeah. Now, I have no understanding whatsoever of the technical terms. I, that is not me at all, so I can't help anybody on that. What I can do is share with you an example that the CEO and founder of Neurogene, Rachel McKinnon, gave. And I think it's a great example of just how difficult gene therapy is generally when you're talking about such a difficult disorder, mutation, disability as Rett syndrome. So the I am going to embellish, I need to preface this, I'm going to embellish a little bit on her example because she kind of hit it very high level and I was like, oh man, this could actually go a little bit deeper. And I had a lot of fun thinking about <laughs> all of how it could go even deeper. So if I screw it up, I apologize, uh, but I had fun writing this all up. <laughs> so imagine your body is a tall building, like a skyscraper. And in this tall building, there live lots of people. And these people, they represent your DNA. Okay. Now these people, they have different jobs within the building. These jobs range from cleaning bathrooms, vacuuming hallways, maintaining elevators, uh, keeping uh, the building up to code. They involve routing phone calls. So different people within the building can communicate with one another. There's lots of jobs that they have, okay? And for the most part, the majority of these people showed up in the building, prepared to be able to do everything and anything that they needed to do. Okay. But in some buildings, there are a few people or quite a few people or could range in very different situations who arrived and were ill-prepared to do their job. So like they showed up and they're in their apartment and they don't have a kitchen, so they can't cook, they can't eat, they, they're they essentially right. starving themselves, right? Or they, right. they don't have a bed, so they can't get a good night's rest. Or maybe they don't have anything for entertainment in their, in their off times, right? And as humans, just as people, we know that if we don't have some of these essentials, mm-hmm. as we view them, it does impact our day-to-day life. Right. Well, same thing with these people living in the building that is our body and DNA. Mm-hmm. If they are not fully equipped to be able to do their jobs, then other issues begin to present themselves, right? right. So the bathrooms are no longer getting cleaned, which means you could potentially have infections and bacteria spread throughout the building. Uh-huh. Uh, People are not keeping clear fire escapes, so that way the building's, like, it's no longer safe. It's just not a safe place to be in case anything were to happen. Or nobody's answering phone calls to be able to transfer them to one another and communicate what else is going on in the building. So now you have this breakdown in communication. And so things are just falling apart in the building, right? And it could just be one person. It could be multiple people. It just depends, right? Yeah. But we can see how there's a cascade effect that happens there, right? Now, there's a pretty easy solution to addressing 
these individuals who showed up ill-prepared, and that would be essentially Amazon. <laughs> More or less, like ordering something online and getting it shipped. Okay. Right? Get it shipped to you, have it show up, and like that that's going to take care of it, right? You yeah. have a bed, let's... Let's order you a bed and let's get you a bed so that way you can get well rested and you can then go and do your job. So it makes sure right. building works. Right. The only problem is if you think about how delivery systems work, if you've ever looked up a, a video on YouTube or even just watched how delivery systems work, you order your stuff and it takes a bit to get there. Yeah. And once it gets there, even if you're talking about the suburbs, they don't just show up in the suburbs and suddenly everybody has all of their packages and needs, right? Right. They have to go one by one delivering it, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when we're talking about something that could be so vast as like a massive skyscraper that has all these rooms that have all these individuals that have their very specific needs that need to be met and you have one delivery driver, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not an effective way because yes, you could go to the first floor and deliver that kitchen to the person who showed up and didn't have all their kitchen supplies to be able to cook. And sure, they're now nourished to be able to go and do their job, mm-hmm. but you still have all these other people that also showed up ill-prepared and all of these cascading issues that came up because they were overbared that all need to be addressed. Right. Right? Right. And so you got to figure out a way to get this deliver, this delivery done to everybody in a pretty timely manner, almost around the same time. Uh-huh. Because otherwise you're still going to have these issues. Right. Of these people who are ill-prepared, still not doing their job, so on and so forth. Okay. Right? Have I gone too deep on this, Sarah? I don't know. Is it making any sense? Yes. Yes, it's making sense. Well, the the idea, though, is that exact technology from Neurogene has solved this problem. They have figured out a way to deliver what is lacking in the DNA of somebody with Rett syndrome in a very quick and orderly fashion. So it's not just hey, we've put it in this one spot with this one cell and now it's producing the correct Uh DNA. No, it's going throughout the body all the way to the extremities, down to the toes and the fingertips and it's everywhere. Okay. That's that's the problem is that you have to be able to deliver it to the entire body in a timely manner because if it's not addressed throughout the entire body, you still have Rett syndrome. Okay. Right? We also talked about in that episode when we first covered this, that what makes this so difficult for Rett syndrome as well is that it needs to be precise, Yeah. hence the exact technology name. Too much expression in the MCP2 gene is fatal. It has been shown time and time again in the white mice models that if it, if it is expressed too much, it kills the host. So, and then of course, too little, you still have Rett syndrome. It is this Goldilocks zone of enough expression of the McP2 gene 
to reverse rat syndrome. That's why it's so hard. It is not a light switch, it is a dimmer switch. And if it's too bright, the house catches on fire. It's not good. And if it's too low, you can't see anything anyways. It doesn't matter that the dimmer switch is even on a little. Yeah. So that's, that's why this is such a big deal because they believe that they can precisely, and they've demonstrated this to the FDA, they can precisely express the MCP2 gene in white mice as well as non-human primates. And their, their data is strong enough that the FDA believes that it can also work in humans. It's crazy. It's just crazy. It's exciting. It's really, it's really good. We also need to talk about what makes Neurogene different from other pharma pharmaceutical companies. So number three, Neurogene is not a public traded, publicly traded company. And I'm not saying all publicly traded companies are bad because that is not true. Yeah. However, typically a publicly traded company has an agenda when they are making an announcement. Yeah. We had the opportunity to talk on two occasions with a representative from Neurogene. And at least what I got out of it was Neurogene is making these announcements based off of their confidence that they will be able to proceed and have success with what they're trying to do with, oh, I'm trying to remember, and NGN 401. That's the name of the drug. I've been trying to memorize it because there's all sorts of them. Like Tasha's, what's theirs? T-Y-R-T-S-H-A-2-0-2-2-0 or something like that. I don't know. At some point, I'll have them all memorized, and it'll be useless <laughs> facts that nobody needs to know. But anyways, Neurogene has has essentially said the reason why they have made the announcements when they have made their announcements is because they are at a point in the process where they think they are confident enough that things will be positive if they proceed. So basically, they are at a point where they're not afraid to raise people's hopes. Exactly. 100%. Now, inversely or conversely, I need to look up the definition. What's the difference between those two words? Inverse and converse? Converse is a shoe. Is inverse a sock? <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> but another example, Tasha was previously denied by the Federal Drug Administration here in the United States to be able to proceed with human trials right. of their drug. Okay? They they did receive approval in Canada, but not in the US. Yeah. Okay. And I think we were all kind of frustrated, but at the same time, look, trials are happening somewhere. That's good news, right? Yeah. Well, I don't remember the last time that I heard about anything to do with Tasha and Rett syndrome at all, like whether it was something to do with here in the U.S. or how they were proceeding in Canada. I and, and I keep track of this stuff. I have notifications set up on my phone specifically for these things, and I just haven't seen it. And that's fine. That's fine. I don't need an update all along the way. But what I do find interesting 
is that just recently, Taisha announced that they are working towards possibly reapplying to do human trials here in the U.S. Yeah. Now, is this a good thing? Hopefully. But what's concerning to me is when they announced it. They announced it at a quarterly shareholders meeting. Oftentimes, announcements at these meetings are intended to boost stock value and boost confidence in investors. Gotcha. They're strategic meetings and people in that space follow those meetings very closely. And honestly, if you listen to those meetings, a lot of the times they're not even talking much about the specifics of the products and services that they're offering. They're talking about strategies of how they are going to boost their profits, which helps the shareholders. Yeah, which is, that's what the shareholders want to know. Exactly. Now, is it is it possible that Taisha made this announcement because they intend, they truly do intend and believe that they can reapply with the FDA and get approval? Possibly. I have no I idea. I hope so. Yeah, I have no idea what their intentions are. However, the fact that it was done in a quarterly shareholder meeting and not as like some sort of press release saying, we are committed and confident that that we can help the FDA see that this is in fact something we need in the United States, that we need to test it. Like that, it just makes me question their motives because they have spent a lot of money of research and development in their drug. Yeah. And and the fact that it doesn't get approved in the US is a big deal. That is a big deal. So it's there's part of there's okay, so there's part of me that I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. At the same time there's part of me that thinks as long as they are I don't really care what their motivation is. As long as they're they're going along with the rules that the FDA has has put aside, they're revamping whatever it is that they needed to revamp after they got denied. You know, they're following all the rules, they're doing things by the book. I don't really care if they're motivated because they think this drug is going to get them money if it's going to help reverse Rett syndrome. I Like, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I get that. They're motivated by money. But at the same time, are they going to be providing a life-changing medication? Potentially. Yeah. But I do still see the, like, the motivation is they want the money. Therefore, maybe they'll cut quarters. Who knows? See, and- Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... Th- it, let me let me rephrase what what my concern is then because I, I don't think I properly expressed it because my my issue isn't necessarily with the money portion that's not my issue is it that my, they're raising hopes my of people yes with, with the intentions uh, with the possible intentions of boosting their stock market gotcha. value that's that's what I'm concerned about gotcha is okay. that are they actually confident that they can re reapply with the FDA and like make enough changes and meet 
the requirements of the FDA to actually get approved this time? Gotcha. Or are they doing this to just boost their stock value a little bit and then hopefully they can funnel that into some other places? I don't know. It's like I said that my issue is that it was the quarterly gotcha. okay. stakeholders or excuse, excuse me shareholders meeting that this yeah. was shared. That's where I have an issue. There was no press release about it. There was nothing. Like I went through and I read it, other, other, other articles that were talking about why they were doing this and what they were changing, and I, I, off of based off of those articles, I believe that there is a real possibility that Tasha can simply make some adjustments to their application and be approved. But it all goes back to where did they initially share this information, at a shareholders meeting where announcements are strategically placed to booster support yeah. of a publicly traded company. I, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. We won't know. No, we won't. Later. And so this is all speculation. <laughs> and I do agree with you, Sarah, that like anybody doing anything to advance the research of a cure towards RET is good. I agree with that. I just hope that they are being genuine about it. Yeah. Because like I already shared, Neurogene, based off of what we've been able to see from their press releases and conversations we've had with them, they are making their announcements based off of confidence of being able to proceed with the research, not because of investments or anything like that, as far as we know. Yeah. As far as we know. Yeah. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are going to pick up with our interview where we left off with Dion Steeders. If you remember from episode 51, she comes to us from South Africa. Her daughter has Rett syndrome and the education system just wasn't ideal for her daughter, Hannah. And so she took things into her own hands and started a school. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first part, go ahead and pause right here. Head back to episode 51 to listen to that episode and then come back here once you finish that up. You're up to five students now? Is that is that what you're saying? No, well, now there's more. So so in February, we've mm-hmm. jumped to five and, and then it started to get complicated because how do you have a classroom of... Um, kids that have got all these conditions and yep. um, some of them have got uncontrolled epilepsy some of them are mobile some of them are not mobile mm-hmm. um and some of them had never been in a in a structured environment before where they have to sit and be able to learn and concentrate um so so for some of the kids the goal is to just get them to sit at their desk so we had to have custom desks made um that you could put the talkers on um and was the right size for them so that their feet are on the floor so that they're correctly positioned because positioning is really important. If you're not positioned yep. properly, you're not going to be able to access your talker. So there was so many aspects actually involved in all of this and all of the technology needed and 
So then I got approached by a family in Polokwane, which is far. And they were like, sure, but this is awesome, but we're so far. So then we started the satellite program, which is remote homeschool learning. So, so basically we, we developed this curriculum, which, which is now accessible for homeschoolers and for classroom learners. So the satellites basically get sent all of the work and all the learning opportunities for all the themes and all the ASC support and, um, low tech stuff to print. Um, and then they zoom into the classes. So then they follow the class with the teacher, with their AAC, um, and they essentially get the same work and the same curriculum, but from home. And now post COVID, there's a lot of parents who, who sort of want to keep their kids at home. Some of them really don't want to, but for some parents, sometimes they, they live in a town where there just isn't the right school. There, there just isn't. So, so the Sassanot program opens up the Nodal classroom to everybody around the world, which is really nice. And we have an international student this year and, and other students from around South Africa, which is really nice. And, um, one of the important things that we, that we see in the school is the need for a communication partner. So we, we've termed it the word compi, um, which stems from the term communication partner. And essentially the child's compi is their, their person that does everything with them. So, so they've got to make sure that, that they're positioned properly, that their talker is charged that they're calibrated, that, that they are fed and not thirsty and that their nappy is clean or that they don't need to go to the bathroom. Um, and that person basically takes care of all that stuff so that the Nova staff can actually do the teaching. So, so what I've realized what happens with, 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 with a lot of the special needs school is that it starts up with great intentions and, um, it's usually started because someone has got a huge passion to help the kids, but what happens is the kids have got very high needs. And, and that almost becomes a priority. So while they're at school, it becomes such a priority, keeping them safe, keeping them clean, keeping them fed and, and, and not thirsty and hydrated and all of that, that where do you get time to teach them? They just, it's just, it becomes the priority of the day. So I'm suddenly seeing that my, my teacher would be like stressed a lot of the time and I'd ask her if it was a good day and she'd be like, oh, because today we had no seizures and no one fell today. And no one, I was just like, no, that's not a good day. <laughs> no, that's not what I want a good day to look like. I want a good day to be like, so-and-so said this on their talk. Right? And so-and-so is able to list the days of the week now. And so-and-so counted for the first time today. Like that's what I want to be hearing. And so we brought out the, the compi, um, model, but we made it um, compulsory. So every kid that comes to the class needs to come with a compi now because their safety and their, um, being clean and positioned should be a given. It shouldn't be our job at school. It should be a given. It should be there. It should come with the kids so that we can teach them. And it's made such a difference because those compies go home with them and they, 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 they take what they learn in the classroom and they use it at home and they show the parents, they, they show them how, how we modeling in the classroom, how we doing it and. And it's made such an incredible difference. So, so that is, that is something that was tricky bringing it in because it's an extra person that the parents have got to pay. Um, but it is, it's made such a difference in the configuration of the classroom because every kid has got their person. Um, and that person knows to know the kids so well, they pick up immediately if they've, if they've looked at something or they've given a strong no or a good yes, like they are so on it and it's, it's so amazing. 
and and we've had such beautiful like I don't know what I was like with Zoe but with Hannah like it took really long to get like meaningful words like she would babble with her talker like crazy she would there just be words coming and I'd be like oh none of those words make sense like I quite have been a conversation with you about this one <laughs> but every now and then like I'd be for example plodding around in the kitchen not making her food and she would pop up mommy what are you doing as if to say like you're supposed to be giving me food not that was really nice those were actual words <laughs> and then she looked at me as if to say, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't. But then I'd be so excited about the fact that she did that, that I get even more distracted from the food. <laughs> but the entire message that I want to say is that um, ASC is so daunting and it is so scary. And I understand because for the first year of, of, of getting the device, I couldn't even put it up because just that sense of failure and the sense of not knowing what you're doing is just too much. And it takes them long. It took Hannah a long time. Um, her, her eye gaze has always been incredible and her ability to make eye contact and eye pointing is unbelievable, but to actually select the correct words intentionally and then flip between the pages to get to the next word that she wants it like that took took a long time, but when, when they start doing it, it is the most rewarding thing in the world. I, I can only imagine. So, yeah, it's lovely. And it's also not consistent either. But now in the classroom, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm missing it because I still need to work. <laughs> so I can't be in the classroom the whole time. So, so Hannah's comfy and the teacher will come and tell me, you know, consistently that she's able to list the days of the week and say, today is Monday, yesterday or Sunday. And I always don't believe it. Like, I feel I'm running a camera up in there because that is just, it's like beyond anything that I could imagine. And like, we have um, circle time in the morning and, and every kid gets asked, how are you doing today? And we wait, we wait for them to answer. Whether they answer with a look, whether they answer with a word or or shake or moan um we give them a chance and we wait for them every kid gets asked what the weather's like in their city because some of them are zooming in from Polokwane or Joburg um they get to answer um what they're wearing today are all of their friends in the classroom they greet each other they wonder why the one kid is listening where is this kid we're on it and they have a discussion about it and and to hear those those electronic voices coming out of the classroom in that conversation it's beautiful and my child has friends <laughs> she has friends now yeah i imagine <laughs> that is probably the the most important thing out of all of it even though the communication is great and the education it's it is it is mm -hmm. set up for her to be successful uh, having those personal relationships yes. is vital and important to human life that's the way that we interact with the mm. world around us is with other others and through others and so yeah that's yeah. that's amazing i i do have some questions about some of the logistics though of some of this because there has to be mm. a ton of hurdles that you guys are having to overcome for example the different types of equipment i imagine there not everybody is using mm. the exact same eye gaze or aac how do you how do you can it handle that? So, um, every kid that we've had has never done AAC before. 
And I'm starting to realize that that's actually, that's the way that it is. Yeah. Um, unless we're like not targeting our own kids, but all of the kids that have started with us, this has been, so, so our curriculum, we, we changed the wording a little bit. So our, our grade one or grade zero would be Nova one year one. So that year is basically learning how to learn. And it's the introduction of AAC and, and so Elaine will do her private sessions with the kid and, and identify what their selection techniques going to be, what sort of device is better for them. So, so we haven't had a big challenge for that because kids never come with their own devices. They never come with their own, um, established communication system. Um, we had the, the kid that was our sense of from overseas was using a different program. But then he just bought the program that we were using and then everything was fine. <laughs> so because he had also just started and although he had the program, he didn't know how to use it. So so they could just change to the one that we're using. Um, but it's what's also important to know is that we don't just do high tech. So, so we don't push for the, the fancy devices and the high tech and that because some of the families just can't afford it, which is fine. It's not, it's not essential to have that. So the ones that don't have the high tech, we, we give them a talk book which is basically a low-tech book with all of the grids that they need. And all of the learning materials are in low-tech as well. So we do everything on a big screen on the computer so that we can have our grid three on the screen and we can model with the screen and the screen will talk back on a big black TV screen, but we also have the low-tech. So, so some of the kids follow with low-tech, some of them follow with high-tech and we, we then can make recommendations to them later about what device they need, how they're gonna select um, so, so yeah, that's pretty much it. It hasn't been a massive hurdle. The, the, the two kids that came with devices apart from Hannah had the same program already and the same ideas. So there are, I don't think there's as many here to choose from as over there. Sarah, you can speak more about it than I can about the devices we have here. I mean, there are quite a few different ones here that I've seen and like some people will use the same device, but a different program on the device. So there's a lot more yes. variables. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm just sitting here in awe of this school and thinking I, I want to do it. I want to like be a fly on your wall and watch yes. all of this going down. Like this is just like blowing my mind. How incredible this is. I just, oh, it's awesome. I don't even. Well, it's a, it's a great demonstration to what at least Sarah and I have been preaching here. And we're not to a point yet where we feel that we need to do something like this. But you obviously went on a very similar journey where you had professional educators who were telling you that, and not necessarily through words, but most certainly through actions, that your child was an idiot, that your child was less than others because your child didn't deserve the opportunity to to be pushed to to grow to learn to have her do and i use the word do very lightly do crafts arts and crafts because it's always the same way she has no fine motor skills when she comes home with pictures i look at it and i laugh and then sarah i oftentimes throw them in the garbage i don't know if i've told you that <laughs> Because it is very clear that Zoe has not done that, and and so I, I I am so impressed with what this can now demonstrate to the educational world that 
individuals of varying abilities can succeed, but it requires us mm -hmm. to view their situation in a different light. It requires us to put in a little bit of effort to try and understand what they're going through and how they're trying to communicate. Because as soon as you can understand Absolutely. how they're communicating, at that point, you've, you can at least do yes and no to make sure that they're understanding what you are teaching them. And you can grow mm -hmm. on that. You can build up upon that. And yeah. And it's very good. Most important thing that I'd had I left out. Go ahead. Are you still there? Yes. There's a there's an important part that I left out. Um during the the before I decided that we needed to start a school, um we had a, a school beside that is a special needs school, but they followed a normal curriculum. So they say the kids go there and they get a matric and they go to university. So they're all inclusive. They take all disabilities. They're, they're an amazing school. They take eye gazes. They take everything. So I was like, this is where I want her to go because this is the most normal that she's ever going to get. They do exams there. They have matric dance. They have uh, disability sport days. Like it's fabulous. She'll, this is where she needs to go. And I didn't even think twice about whether she would be accepted or not. I mean, it's an all-inclusive school. There should be parts of singers not getting accepted rides. Yeah. So I I um, motivated, of course, because they needed that. They needed letters from all the therapists, from the school, from the doctor, from myself, and be motivated really well, I thought. And they phoned me, and they literally passed the phone around to every therapist and told me why she can't go there. And essentially, they, they basically said that at that point, um, she couldn't communicate at all. She'd never been in a classroom setting, so she wouldn't be able to just sit in a classroom and follow. She wouldn't be able to write exams. She wouldn't be able to follow instructions, do homework. So, sorry, she's just not a candidate for our school. So I said to them, okay, but where's the bridging program? Like, you, you've got to have a section where you get the kids ready so that they can be in school. And they were like, no, just continue with speech therapy once a week. That'll be fine. I'm going to say something about upset about that. Like I felt, I felt like someone had punched me in the chest. They wouldn't even need to in person. Like this was all based on a report that we'd written. The physiotherapist said to me that she needs head control. And I was like, she's got head control. You've never met her. Oh, you are. I'm getting worked up. But, but that, but then, then, you know what? I, I had a conversation with one of the people that work there. And she said to me, but you know how much pressure those kids are under to to have to pass, to write exams, to have to, have to do homework. Do you know how much stress they're under and the parents? And I realized that I don't actually want that for my kid. Yes, I want her to have normality and I want her to get an education. Yeah. But why must getting an education mean having to be evaluated and having to be compared to other kids and having to pass and having to get a mark? Why? Because when Hannah's stressed the apraxia is so bad that you can't even look at her and talk let alone answer questions with it's like yeah gotta get her on a great day she's got to not be constipated she's got to be happy she's got to be regulated then she can access her words so you can't sit down and evaluate her so then the iep story for the first year we didn't do ieps because we had no idea what that looked like like i mean nothing so again I had to Google and I emailed Cordy and I was like, you gotta like help me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So, so she gave me some tips, but even then 
So then eventually, after we got all these kids that joined, I said to the rest of the staff, I said, okay, we're going to just start. We are going to have IP meetings twice a year, every six months. And the first one is going to be to set the goals. And then the second one is going to be to review those goals and reset the goals. And that was, so we just roll with it. And I said to them, the only rule that I have is that we do not tell the parents what their kid cannot do. That does not exist in an IP meeting. I'm sorry, because these parents are sick of hearing that. We know all too well what our kids can't do. Yes. Yes. We don't need to hear it. So, so we just started off with very, very, um, few goals. So we only chose like three goals per kid. And for some, for some kid that would be like sitting in their chair for more than five minutes for three activities of the day. Um, but that's what they needed to do to access learning. That's what they needed. Um, so, so the IP meetings are such happy, happy meetings. The parents are always, and the therapists attend and the compies attend and they're always happy meetings. They're happy meetings. They're happy times because we, we, we literally look at what the kid is doing and we choose goals that are realistic today. So we're not going to be like, well, she's five and another kid who's five is doing this and therefore that's what she should be doing. Um, because that isn't actually what I want for her. I just, I, I want her to have an education. Um, I wanted to know what's going around her in the world. I wanted to know how to ask for help. I wanted to be able to Google or something if she wants to, I wanted to be able to read. Um, so, so. And if she never gets to do those things, if she never learns to do those things, then at least, at least we can say that we gave it a damn good shot. We tried. Well, and obviously now in the world we live in, there are alternatives to all of that. And giving her the opportunity, for example, using her, her eye gaze to, to activate a story that's read to her, either by the device itself or using a, a system like Audible or maybe a library has a system, whatever it may be just providing her with more tools so she can access the world around her and the things that are in yes. fact accessible for her. Uh, that's, that, yes. that's what I think in the end, this could be a really great thing. And I do agree with you regarding mm -hmm. the, the, the grades and the marks. I don't know how it is in South Africa, but in the United States, it is so important to have those grades and marks for money. That's what it's for. If a school can demonstrate that they have growth, if they can demonstrate that the average student is at this level, determined by a board of educators that is far removed from what the reality of a classroom is, that's that's why it's so important here. And it's an absolute mess. It's It's ridiculous and it makes no sense to me. I understand that we do want to have an idea of where somebody is at in their education, understand their level so we can better... Mm. help them learn yeah. them grow but to mm. assess um through comparison i think one of the worst ways that <laughs> an educator can can grade a student is on a on a bell curve it is so stupid because that is literally comparing mm. them maybe to the students in the class maybe to students across the the curriculum in various classes whatever it may be to me, it's so stupid. Mm -hmm. It is so stupid because then it requires, it requires an individual to fail and it requires uh, individuals to, to, to be looked at as better than others. I wasn't a great student. 
growing up. That was a pretty terrible to me. I uh, and and I'll tell you what, the the grades I was receiving did not help or encourage me to do better. Where I was encouraged to do well was in those areas, mainly in the arts, where it was it was very subjective, and I was able to show and demonstrate. You know, this is why it's important for me to demonstrate it in this way or whatever it may be. That's where I excelled. Yeah. Because it's hard to... Mm. Well, I feel like in the arts, too, you, you're you comparing yourself to yourself. Yes. You're comparing yeah. where you are now to where you were before. That is 100% what mm. it is. Yeah. I mean, let's say you're in a, in a, a painting class and yeah. you're able to put side by side and you're able to show, well, in this first painting, this is what my brush strokes look like. And now if you look over here, the technique has improved um, and I'm I'm using more colors yeah. and I'm being more thoughtful mm -hmm. about shading, whatever it may be. You're right. Mm -hmm. Being able to compare yourself to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a more accurate depiction of, of somebody's intelligence versus comparing exactly. to others because... It is absolutely the 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 amount of abilities and and capabilities and and what people understand and know is so vast. I mean, what I understand about music is far greater than oh yeah you understand about music there. <laughs> but that does not mean that I am more intelligent than you. No. And just because you're damn good at adapting toys and I have not a clue what's going on, that doesn't mean you're more intelligent than me. It just no. means that we have things that we're we're better at and we excel at well it's like it's like i can i i have a couple of 3d printers and i love printing things and i love doing that wow i couldn't figure out how to turn my cell phone off no you could the other day no no <laughs> couldn't figure it out like no. and sam was just like what yep. and it's like I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. I will be honest. I was bathing judgment. He was 100%. I couldn't turn it off. Like, I legitimately could not. And I, I couldn't fathom why I couldn't do it. And neither could Sam. Because I can do all these other things. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. It was ridiculous. So, so do you guys not have a school there that, that, that does this? There, I don't understand. Yeah, so where we live, uh, there is not a, a special needs disability specific school. Swamp. Yeah, but there are a couple of programs within the regular public school system that okay. Zoe is able to access. We found it was very important for Zoe to yes receive special education services, but we felt it was more important, like you were saying, for her to be in a classroom full of neurotypical peers. And so it was it was a long fight for various reasons. And at this point, I think we're pretty satisfied with it. Yeah. What you don't you're not I can't remember what her the so, ratio is. So I I believe it's eighty percent she's in with the general education class, twenty percent she's out of the classroom. So she spends all of her time with the general ed class, except for um, when they take her out for therapies. So they do therapies at school. Um, it's not a lot. So they take her out for like 15 or 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, and then she also leaves the general ed classroom when they are doing their personal work time. 
So she'll be in there while the teacher is mm-hmm. explaining a topic or whatnot. And then when the students go to do their own personal work, she'll leave with her aide to go to a different classroom and th- she'll do her personal work yes. in that classroom so they can be a little bit louder and use, you know, low-tech communication and, and talk back and forth between the two of them yes. without disrupting wow. anybody else. Um, otherwise, she is in the general education classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a, a fight for us, and we very much understand where where you were at with Hannah because we were not necessarily to that point, but it was very frustrating because we were seeing what Zoe was capable of. We were investing our mm-hmm. own money into private services to be able to give her opportunities to mm-hmm. to demonstrate her skills, and we were seeing success. And those weren't being shown in at the school. And when we were asking, well, how is it that that you guys are speaking with her, or how is it that you're assessing her, or whatever it may be, you know, they they were unwilling, uh, and I would go as far as saying unable to adapt at the time to the way that she communicates. They were so stuck in their ways, and and I get that way too. I very much understand it, and and it's it's hard to make changes, especially when you're dealing with somebody that, I mean, Zoe's alone in her school being uh, an individual with, with AAC, as far as I understand, at least using the I think so. the eigens. Yeah. There may be some students that are using low tech, but she's the only one in her school using a computer to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I understand mm-hmm. that that is also hard when you've never had that before. So it was, it was a very line of Jameson's. How do the other kids, the neurotypical kids, speak to her and involve her? Do they? Um, as far as I know, they do. They they talk to her. They talk to her just like, you know, you and I are talking. Um, and then they have explained to the kids Zoe's yes and no's. So they do a lot of yes no. So Zoe'll okay. Zoe'll look at somebody for yes. She'll look away for no. Yeah. So they have a lot of communication that way. Um, and then Zoe so wonderful. This is Zoe's very sassy. <laughs> she's a she's a very sassy little girl and she loves to tease and joke. So she uses her device a lot to do that. <laughs> yep. Um well, so she will awesome. sometimes respond to people and like razz them and just you know joke with them and tease them and that's lovely yep yep so so what will happen so so now she's obviously in she i don't know in a grade two second grade she no she's in first first grade yeah so she's been she's been in school this is her fourth year we did two years of preschool one year kindergarten and then this is uh, first grade this year yep so 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 next year will she follow her class to the second grade so yeah, so and will she stay in the first grade? She will go to second grade. Um, so her the way that it kind of works is the her ESS classroom. Um, her ESS classroom will stay the same, and her re- general education classroom will continue. So the ESS classroom stays the same for like K through two. 
And then the general ed classroom will just continue. So once she hits third grade, I think her ESS classroom changes to a different classroom that has a specific number of grades in that classroom, basically. If I'm if I understand it correctly. Yeah, kind of like they're grouping them together uh, because they don't have enough students with each one of the grades who require that special education services. And so it makes sense in my mind, you know, if you, you've got one student in, in kindergarten and then you've got four in second grade, they're pretty close in age and understanding. You know, you can bring them together for mm -hmm. a little bit. And like I said, it, it's worked out well having her go to the general education portion of the class because she's getting that regular education that the rest of her peers are getting. And Absolutely. she hasn't... Spicer. Exactly. Yeah, she hasn't set it as a play, but at the beginning of the school year, she was very frustrated and annoyed and was coming home not happy because... No, we we're just starting up with a new school year. And as you do with any new school year, you're going to go backwards for a little bit and do some refresher work to remind everybody of where uh, they're supposed to be at. Well, Zoe didn't really ever have a stop in her education, especially when it comes to speech and communication, because she continued to do speech therapy over the summer. And so she came home and was mm -hmm. like, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I, I don't want to go back to school. Like, yeah. So we, you you have to be patient. You have to be patient. This is all part of the process of going back to school. You have to push through these first few weeks. Your your friends, they weren't spending time with cool people during the summer, learning how to read books and learning how to talk. So you're much further ahead. And in fact, at this point, I, I think she probably would be at a second grade leave, reading level. She she may be. Uh, but that's just because we've we've been able to do that provide those additional services for her so i asked her about this the other day i did you i did and she said that she's now learning things and she's no longer bored oh good okay so, so she's <laughs> i yeah i told her i was yeah. like you just you just no. gotta wait you gotta wait you'll you'll get back into the swing of things and it's gonna start pushing you and you'll really enjoy it in just a little bit so glad that, that that's actually happened yeah that's amazing she sounds amazing she's fun she's the one to find Yes. Uh, well, now South Africa is on our world tour list. And if if you didn't know, you are now required to be one of oh. our tour guides. So <laughs> that's bothering. That's part of it. Well, what's one last thing before we close out? I'm curious what your guys' plans are for the future of the Nova School. What are your intentions over the next 5, 10, 15 years? Or am I asking too great of a question? <laughs> what is the dream? So, what is that, Alan? Alan. So, that, that question freaks me out. <laughs> But I don't know. Um, I, I it's changed so many times because I've been approached by people wanting to to buy shares and wanting to make a franchise somewhere else, and I'm so scared of of doing that and becoming so big that we sort of lose what we do. So I, I'm scared to sort of think of things like that. But at the moment, and this is this is now my sticking my sticking theory is that we, we grow um, our physical campus in Pretoria where we are um, to the point where we have like a full school, like essentially from grade one to matric um, with all the different classes and 
every possible and that, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, with our, our satellite kids coming in remotely. Um, and so we have another service line called station. So this is basically, for example, if you have a, another special needs school that identifies, look, they've got five kids that are nonverbal and they don't know how to teach them. So, so they then access our curriculum from their classroom and they, and they use our curriculum there. So, so then we want to have sort of stations coming up on over the show and satellite kids zooming in all over the show, but with only one headquarters. So there is the girl that's my, my teacher at the moment, um, she, I would, I would trust her open up another branch somewhere. So if she gets an opportunity in the UK or in America or Australia or in Cape Town and she wants to move there, then I would be like, go open one there because she knows exactly how to do it. She knows exactly um, what sort of vocabulary we we use there, and what 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 AAC we use, what kind of kids we take. Like she, I would trust to be able to run one. So um, it's very difficult to say what my goal is, but that's that's basically what I hope for. Um, just to help more kids, just to just to see more kids um, learn to communicate and to see the look on the parents' faces when they start communicating. It's wonderful because I've, I've been there. I understand. And like, I still have days where Hannah wants to lick things on her eyes. I'm like, was that a mistake? Like, did you just linger too long on the wrong word? Like, I don't know. Um, but presuming more potential and assuming competence and all of those things, um, we use it a lot in the world of Brits and drone, but it is akin to it. Like, there is no point in assuming that they can't do it. What are you going to win by, by yep. even thinking that? So yeah. if she sends a word and I think it's remotely applicable, I'll take it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can, you can almost like see by the look on her face when, when she's being sarcastic or when she's joking or when she's being serious. And, um, yeah, I suppose one just gets to know them as well, but yeah. So, so essentially Nova is for, is for Hannah. It's. It's for her. So if all it does is is help Hannah and teach her and give her an education, then I feel like it's done its job. But it's helping so many other kids now too, which is which is wonderful. So yeah, I'm very excited. Well, that's <laughs> that's very incredible, and I think it kind of circles back to what we were talking about before with looking at the future. You know, it's hard to do that with Rent mm -hmm. Syndrome, and obviously, mm -hmm. uh, you're in kind of a similar situation to us where we don't look super far ahead. And, uh, but it sounds like you guys are having great success and we're very excited to hear more about the successes that come in the future for you guys. If people would like to learn more about Nova School, where can they go to find more information? Our website is www.nova-school.co.za. And you can find us on Instagram, um, at Nova School Pretoria, um, and on Facebook as well perfect we will leave uh, links to all of those in the show notes of this episode dion thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your story as well as sharing with us about the school and what we can do give us some all some ideas on what we can do to better the education of our children and those who communicate differently And that concludes the second part of our interview with Dion. It was so wonderful to hear 
about all the work that she's doing. And I, I don't even know where I would begin with starting a school. It's just inspiring. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's so inspiring that, you know, she just saw that this wasn't working for her and her family and realized she's probably not alone in that. Mm -hmm. So let's do something to fix the problem. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah, very impressive. So thank you, Dion. Another place that we have to go visit now. Yep. Add that to the map, Sarah. Side note, mm -hmm. Nova School last week celebrated their two-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. So happy anniversary, Nova School. Yep. So wonderful. Well, it is now time, Sarah, for Can't Leave It. Can't leave it. What can you not leave? I took our children's crib and turned it into a bunk bed. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yes. To be exact. It's a Franken-bunk. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the boys have been wanting... Not really the boys have been wanting. We've been wanting to do a bunk bed for the boys. Yes. But half the time they sleep on the ground, so we didn't really want to put money into that. Mm -hmm. But we thought that they would really enjoy it. So I've been looking on Facebook marketplaces and like the side of the road <laughs> and whatnot for a free crib. Because mm -hmm. I figured somebody is going to have a crib that they don't want anymore that the they'll be willing to just give away. So I've been watching and waiting and I finally found one. And I basically took parts of that crib, drilled some holes in our crib and combined them together so that there are now two bunks on the frame of our crib. And I Frankensteined a ladder from the side of the old crib, like the other crib and added it's, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a sight it's to behold. It's fine. Um, except Peter, where is, does he sleep now? Oh, my heck. This child, Peter, our two-year-old, he now has decided he slept in the bunk bed on the bottom for a few days. Uh -huh. And then he decided, oh, wait, I want to sleep on the very hard frame of the other bed that we had. Just no mattress. Huh? Just because you took the mattress off to I, do for the punk beds. Yeah, because we had we had a small toddler bed and we had the crib. So I turned the crib into the bunk bed, the Franken bunk, and put the mattresses on the bunk bed. Mm -hmm. So there's no mattress on this bare wood toddler bed, mm -hmm. and that's where Peter is sleeping. And that's where he sleeps now. Yeah. So was it was it worth all the effort, Sarah? You know, I think it is. It was, because I am stinking proud of that. Was I supposed to be doing other things during that time? Yes. yes. But did I only spend $6 on hardware and our children got a new bunk bed? Also, yes. I'm really proud of it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, except pretty good. Sammy loves it. Mm -hmm. He literally shows everybody who comes to our house mm -hmm. he's really excited about it yep. so it's worth it yep what is your can't leave that him chinese spy satellite balloon what have you not heard about this no you don't really follow the news much do you 
I always forget. I am, yeah, nope. So there was a balloon that popped up over Montana that it was discovered to be a Chinese spy balloon. Now, I I need to take back one of those identifiers. It was it was Chinese. We don't okay. You, we didn't know at the time if they were spying on the United States, but you know, who's launching these massive balloons with all sorts of rigging and technology below it? <laughs> when you say balloon, like hot air balloon, balloon? No, but like like big. Big balloon, like and straight balloon to be able to withstand, yeah, like all sorts of conditions. So it went across the top of the Pacific Ocean, Arctic Ocean up there at the top, went across Alaska, down across Canada, and then it was first noticed up in Montana. So say, what are they looking for in Montana? Well, I don't know. But then it traveled all the way across the U.S. because at no point did the military feel like they could shoot it down and guarantee it wasn't going to hurt anybody on the ground. Oh. Because of all the stuff that was underneath it, which they weren't 100% sure what it was. Right. <laughs> so anyways, they finally shot it down like three days ago. They had an F-22 fire a missile at a balloon, which, you know, that fighter pilot, he's taking his job seriously, but at the same time, he's like, this is like a video game. <laughs> Shoot down the balloons. And like, he's he shot a balloon down. Like, anyways, they'll go and recover all the stuff and maybe they'll announce what it was that was on there. But the part that's been the funniest to me is... All these people who've been upset that the U.S. military didn't, like, take swift action against it. Because, I'll be honest, like, I'd rather people be safe. Yeah. Physically than, you know, have take a chance on knocking it down just because they make it some information. Like, it, it's just so wild and crazy. I feel like if it's not tar I mean, it's not targeting... Was it targeting specific, like, there's no uh, military installations or, like, classified air? Like, mm, do you know what I mean? No. So. I feel like if you're just floating over. Yeah. Well, but here's the crazy part. There were some public figures mm -hmm. that were telling people to go out and try to shoot it down with their guns. Oh, good heavens. Which, people, this balloon was up at 60,000 feet. 60,000 feet. This Your gun isn't going to do that. Which then, if you do do that, you are creating another problem. Yeah. That the U.S. military is actively trying to prevent by not shooting it down while it's over yeah. American soil. Like, what goes up must come down. So if you shoot a gun in the <laughs> air, where's the bullet going to go, bozo? It's going to come right back down. And guess what? It's going to be going the same speed that it was going up. There's a terminal velocity there. Like, it's... So, anyways, that was stupid. Yes. Also, anybody heard of satellites? <laughs> I mean, China's got a really great space program. We know that they have satellites up, so... 
I'm sorry, you're really concerned about a the balloon? Big balloon? I'm sure they're getting some additional data by doing that. But, mm, satellites! So anyways, whole thing was very silly. Um, my favorite take on the balloon exploding with the, was this guy who put the national anthem done in kazoos so, over the top of the rocket blowing up the balloon because it's just very just perfect just you'll have to show me that after this all right let's go watch it now and with that thank you so much for joining us for this episode be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so that you are notified when we publish episodes which is every other monday morning and please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you could become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website.